Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Equipping ELLs podcast. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to give a shout out to Katie Smill, who recently left this review on our Apple podcast. She says, incredibly empowering. Beth shares insights from the trenches and allows teachers to feel seen and empowered in this important work of teaching ELLs. Her practical approach and abundance of resources has been a true gift in year of getting an influx of newcomers in combination with long-term ELs that really need help after remote learning during the pandemic. This is an invaluable podcast for any teacher of ELLs. Thank you so much, Katie, for taking the time to leave that wonderful review. And we are so glad to hear how helpful it's been with both the resources and just the practical tips. We're here to help you in whatever capacity we can. And we do want you to know that we see you. We know that what you all are doing is so difficult, but it is also so rewarding. So we hope that we're bringing back the joy to teaching those ELLs in your classroom. And you're really seeing just the gift it is to be educating a global community right inside your room. So Katie, because of your great review, we will be giving you a one month free subscription to equipping ELLs. Reach out and send us an email so we can get you set up with that. You also can get a chance to win a one month free subscription to equipping ELLs by leaving a review yourself. So last week we talked about the listening domain, and I hope you came away with realizing how absolutely vital and important focusing on the listening domain is. Message me on Instagram. Let me know what you're doing to really support and increase and encourage the listening domain of your students, because it's so important. If you need more tips, 
message us and let us know how we can help because we want you to really focus and spend the time there before you move on to these other domains. But once your students have developed and and spent some time um, strengthening their listening domain, they're now ready to move forward. So we have our receptive domains, which is listening and reading. And we have our expressive domains, which are speaking and writing. In the development of the domains, we begin with listening and we move into speaking. And today's episode, we're going to be talking all about speaking because this can be a tricky area to really help encourage your students to speak. But I have to tell you, if we don't do it, if we're not making room in our lessons for our students to practice what they're learning, it's, we're wasting our time. They will go through our days, our years, and not develop the communication skills that they need to become fluent. So listening is absolutely vital, but finding opportunities for our students to speak every single day is also extremely vital. When you spend your focus and energy on developing those two areas, the other two, reading and writing, will come at a much quicker and easier speed. If we don't, if we skip through or we you know, really just don't emphasize the listening and speaking parts, then our reading and writing, our students are going to really struggle with those areas. So let's dive in today and talk more about ELLs and the speaking domain. So I want to start off with going through the different phases of what's happening to our students as they enter into our classrooms as a newcomer, as having no English before, and the process they go through um, in order to become fluent speakers of English. So we begin with stage one, which is our silent and our receptive stage. And in this stage, the learner understands some words or phrases, but is unable to use them to communicate. Okay. So the learner in this stage is just taking it all in. They're really spending their time working on their listening, taking in their vocabulary, learning phrases, learning things in context, all of that. And there's going to be very little output of speaking at this stage. Now, that doesn't mean that this is a wasted stage. The silent period, we we as educators, we need to respect that period. We need to give them space for that period. And it's a real thing. The silent period, I mean, can you imagine going to a brand new country where you don't know the language, being put in a new classroom without the friends that you had before, your situation has completely changed, and then being expected to speak? You wouldn't do it either. And so we need to give space for our students to be able to process, to feel comfortable, to be ready to speak. We don't want to push them out of that silent period. But this can also get very tricky because there are times I know that I'm sure you felt this way. I'm currently feeling this way with a student that I'm working with who I know that she she should start speaking now. But guess what? She doesn't want to. <laughs> she she really does not want to speak English. In Spanish with her friends, she's speaking all the time. Very happy to speak in Spanish and and really just defaults to Spanish constantly. And when I say something in English, she looks at me like she has no understanding and she won't respond in English. And so I know sometimes we have students like this who we we know in our heart, all right, they're ready. They're ready to start at least repeating, or, you know, if every Monday I've asked her, how was your weekend? By this point, she shouldn't look at me like, I have no idea what you just said. Now there's two things that we can do. One is look at how we're approaching that. So with the student that I'm, I'm tutoring, I, every Monday I say, how was your weekend? 
And every Monday she looks at me with a stare that says, I don't know what you're asking me. So instead of, you know, just saying, well, she should be able to be ready to, to answer this question, which is a lot of times what us teachers do is try to jump to this, you know, well, here's where she should be at already. She's already been in school for three months. So instead, I want to reflect on my own, what am I doing to help the student want to respond? And so, you know, now I'm, I'm coming up with a picture prompt where I say I carry this with me and, and show her the picture of, you know, how was your weekend? Asking that question and providing maybe three or four pictures of some things that she might have done and allowing the pictures to help her respond and understand what I'm helping her, what I'm saying to her. So there's twofold in that. We need to always be looking at what are we doing to help them understand what we're saying so that they can then in turn respond. Because there is a point where we are going to expect them to respond. And it's important that they do take those steps to start speaking. Is there a magic answer to this question of how long is the silent period? No, there's not. There's so many different factors. Students who are coming from trauma are going to probably have a longer silent period. Students from different cultures, culturally, there's differences of engagement in the school, of engagement with a teacher. So looking and taking a look at that is going to be helpful to know how long the silent period might go on for. Sometimes just personality plays a big role in it. I mean, I can think of students who just are were more timid and shy, soft-spoken, And so it wasn't necessarily a language thing. It was just that was part of the personality. So to get them to warm up and really respond and engage, it took a lot of work. But I will say this. I absolutely have seen how what you provide your students will impact how long their silent period goes for. I have had many newcomers who, once I gave them, you know, within the first couple weeks, When I gave them materials that were at their level, that were appropriate for learning English, that were engaging, we were playing games, we we had different vocabulary cards, we really did a lot of repetition, they started building confidence. I have had multiple newcomers within just a handful of weeks, two or three weeks, begin to talk, begin to respond. And so we have to you know, be able to observe our student and see and give them the space for that silent period not forcing them to respond. But I do believe that when you give them the right materials, when you give them engaging materials, many of them will respond and start to speak at a much quicker pace. Take action this week and look at the materials you're using for those students who you are having trouble with. They don't want to respond. They don't want to speak yet. Are you giving them opportunities to build confidence? Are they appropriate for their language level? Is it something they're interested in? Using materials like that is going to naturally give them an opportunity to respond and they're going to want to do it. So that's our first stage. From there, our students go into early production stage. In this stage, the learner begins to use simple words and phrases to communicate. The learner may use memorized or rehearsed phrases and may make grammatical errors. The learner is also more comfortable with communicating in familiar situations and topics. I'm sure you're thinking of students right now that you're working with. I know. The other student that I'm tutoring is more in this early production stage. She has more of a grasp of English, but oftentimes will make mistakes of her sentence structure. We were writing a sentence this morning and, you know, I said, okay, let's write about your weekend. And this is such a great warm up. 
if you're looking for a way to just observe where your students are at, have them write a sentence about something and you can easily observe how are they applying their phonics, their verbs, their sentence structure. So for this student, she continually uses I go instead of I went. So right there, that's something that we're practicing every Monday as we write about the weekend. We talk about the sentence first before she writes it down. So her sentence was, I go to the birthday of Isabella. So you can see right there what area she needs to work on, right? She's building that foundation, but we don't want her to get trapped in not seeing that. Okay. In the past tense, this was the past tense. You don't want to say I go. So right away, we want to be working on that and really solidifying that. Oh, in the past I went. And so every Monday as we write, this is a great opportunity to be writing that, to be writing, I went. And she's building confidence because she's starting to really able to write some of these words on her own independently, where a few weeks ago, she wasn't able to do that. So one simple sentence can give you so much insight and can really help your students build confidence. Now, what's the other issue that you saw, you probably heard in her sentence, the birthday of. So then I explain, well, usually in English, we say Isabella's birthday. So those are just the things that as you work with your students, as they build that that vocabulary to speak, you're going to see some areas that you want to help encourage. You want to help push forward. You want to make sure they're not making those common grammar mistakes. So those types of things in communication are great ways to help them to verbally say it so that their brain makes that connection. So then they can output it again later in writing, but so much it helps our students to orally process and that will help them later on. So that early production stage, at this stage, a lot of times you're probably going to have students who are code switching, who will use their native language to fill in on words that they don't know in English yet. That's very common. Um, so just giving them space for that. They're building those skills. And at the end of the day, what you want is for them to feel confident to speak. That's the goal of this stage. You're not you know, looking at every grammar mistake they make, but you want them to be continually speaking and applying and feeling confident and getting confidence in that. The next stage is the speech emergence stage. So in this stage, the learner is able to communicate in simple and complex sentences and can understand and participate in longer conversations. The learner may still make grammatical errors and have a limited vocabulary, but can express their ideas and opinions. So the big difference we're going to have between the early production stage and the speech emergence stage is a lot of times in our early production stage, the students are starting to develop what we call their BICs, their basic speaking skills. So a lot of teachers, if you haven't worked with ELLs, a lot of teachers might see a student that's an English language learner outside at recess speaking with their friends. And they're saying, wow, they've really you know developed a lot of these skills, but then in the classroom, they're not speaking. That's super common. Why is that? Because they're picking up social skills. They're picking up vocabulary that they're using frequently, and that's a lot easier to use. In the classroom is academic vocabulary. That's our CALPS. That takes a lot more work. It takes a lot more focus. It takes a lot more discipline. It takes a lot more exposure, especially as our academic vocabulary is constantly changing. When we're using content vocabulary, it's changing with what we're teaching. So that area takes a lot longer to develop. So in our early production stage, those students are going to really start to solidify their BICs, their personal um, language skills. In our speech emergence is when they're going to start to continue to work on and get better at their CALPs, their 
academic language skills. And this really happens with modeling, with setting that standard, that expectation of using complex sentences. And the beauty of oral language and, and, and giving opportunities for the students to speak is that so much will then be able to be applied later on with their writing if they are able to take opportunities to speak it through first. So we don't want to underestimate the speaking domain and giving them ample opportunities to apply what they're learning. At this stage, students might need a little bit more front-loading of vocabulary, might need opportunities to really apply the vocabulary, speaking in different situations through different contexts. And we're going to get into in a little bit here really what to look for at each level and then what to, what you can do to help scaffold for it, because I know that that's helpful to have a really clear picture. Then we go into the last stage, which is our intermediate fluency stage. So at this stage, you know, the learner can communicate fluently and effectively in most situations. The learner has a good grasp of grammar and vocabulary can understand and express, express complex ideas and opinions and can engage in discussions and debates. So this is where, you know, we want to get our students to, but I'm going to tell you this. Our students, usually between three and four before they're fluent, there's usually a plateau that happens. There's multiple plateaus that happen. But a lot of times they they really pick up the bics. They start to really develop their academic language, their simple sentences, um, present progressive verbs, and then they start to plateau a little bit when it comes to all the irregularities of English, when it comes to different, different topics that they're not familiar with, when it comes to idioms and conversation and just the contextual and the cultural nuances that are used many times in English, there is a plateau that happens. But if you make space for speaking to happen, they will move through that. They will continue to move forward. In my own experience learning English, like I've said many times here, I've literally taken 10 years of Spanish in the States and 10 years of Spanish of living here abroad. And I have hit that plateau. There's a big jump from being able to speak and being fluent where it's, it's almost compared to your native language. And so what helps is, is literally just speaking in a conversation and having somebody correct you. That helps. That is so helpful to have somebody do that because without that, a lot of these mistakes that we've had are already embedded in the way that we speak. And so unless someone really takes the time to correct those, those little things that help move us forward to fluence, we won't, we won't get there. And so at this intermediate fluency stage, it's really important that we are taking those opportunities to really identify what our students need in order to keep moving forward to fluency. So the thing now to also note is these stages are not exactly, they're not fixed. And a lot of times they can, they can overlap. And sometimes they might move way forward in social language and be pretty far behind in academic, or they might move forward in academic. But then as they get older, as the content gets harder, as they're introduced to new vocabulary, um, they might go back a little bit too. So this isn't just a, you know, check it off as they go, but it's kind of this, these fluid stages that they could be in. Now we're going to get into the WIDA levels and what to expect at those stages so that you can kind of have a clear idea. 
But here's the question that I think we're all asking. How can you help your students speak? Here's something I've learned as I've learned Spanish, especially the older you get with your younger students. They are sponges. They, you know, I love working with young students because they really don't have a care in the world of what they say. If they make a mistake, they are confident, they're excited, and they just pick up whatever, whatever they're hearing. It's amazing. But the older we get, the more our brain loses the sound. So as since I learned Spanish later on, it's harder for me to hear the sounds, to pronounce the sounds, which is a lot of time why it's not very fun to speak if you don't feel like you're saying it correctly or you sound, you know, very American in the way that you're speaking Spanish. So what's been really helpful is watching and listening to something being pronounced correctly. So listening to podcasts, like we mentioned in last week's episode, watching TV shows, Anything where they're listening to a native speaker pronounce things correctly is going to help their brain get an example and then mimic it. So one way you can help your students speak is giving them opportunities to hear it first and then mimic what they're hearing. That's going to help big time with their pronunciation. So don't underestimate that tie between the listening and the speaking. The other thing we talked about last week, which applies again to this week is creating a safe environment, opening your mouth and speaking in another language, especially in front of peers takes so much courage. So we need to make sure that our classroom is set up so that as they do that, they see, okay, I'm not going to get laughed at. I'm not going to get made fun of. I'm okay. My teacher is making this a safe place for me. So that when I make a mistake, it's okay. I'm learning from it. I'm not embarrassed by it. So that is so crucial here in the speaking domain that they are in a safe environment. This is why it's great to really connect with your students on learning their native language and just those small opportunities where you can ask your students, Hey, how do you say this? And then you try to repeat it and see and show them, Hey, this is really hard to speak in another language that you're not familiar with. As they see you do that, they are going to feel more comfortable to do that as well. Now, one other thing we talked about last week is to make it fun when you're playing games, when you have to pick up a word and say it out loud, and now you have to come up with a sentence about it and it's all done orally, they are going to engage and they are going to want to participate. Don't push in the reading and writing until they are ready. The more you can do and give them those, that space to orally respond to orally process, the better they are going to be. So don't underestimate the time in your lessons of giving them the opportunity to talk. That's another action step to take this week. How many minutes of your lessons are you giving your students to talk? That's a hard one to swallow sometimes because the way our schools are set up is many times we have way too much to teach and way too little amount of time. And so let's just process for a second what happens. Well, then we go, we talk faster to try to cover more and we spend more time teaching and give them less time to take in what they're learning, apply it. And really then we're wasting our time. Because like we talked about last week, if we slow down our rate of speech and we add in purposeful opportunities for them to have conversations, for them to talk with one another, with their peers, with you, that is how you're going to see your ELLs 
improve. But the opposite is usually happening because we feel this pressure that we have to go faster. We have to cover more. We have, you know, testing coming up and that's going to interrupt our schedule. So I got to pack in more right now. But I want you to really think about that. I want you to really look at your plans this week and say, how many minutes am I giving my students to respond, to talk, to share? Even if it's just talking and sharing about something personal and giving them that space, that's going to help them create a a safe space. But then also adding into your lesson plans now, those questions you're going to ask that they're going to turn and talk to with a friend, the different group activities that you're going to do so that they are talking with one another about what you're learning. We need to make space in our lessons for them to apply what they're learning. Another great way to practice speaking is for them to record themselves. So anytime that you can have them go to a computer, go to an iPad, and then record themselves, then their pressure's not on them to have to speak in front of others. But then you get a good idea of where they're at. How are they responding to this prompt? Are they on topic? Do they have the vocabulary they need to come up with a sentence? And you can track improvement of speaking skills over time. So some great websites you could use. One is Vukuru. That's a great free website. It really is super easy to use because there's no login or anything like that. So it's just a quick, easy one to use. And then they can send you the the link at the bottom if you want to listen to them. But if you just want to get them practicing recording themselves, Vukuru is a great one. Another one is Moat. Moat is an awesome one that you can put in Jamboards. You can put in Google Slides. You can put in Google Forms. So you can create a form where right there, as they're doing an assessment, they can record themselves responding to a prompt. Another one is, um, it's called Speakable. And this is a new one that I just came across. And it is your go-to for creating auto-graded speaking assignments. So this is like a kind of like a Duolingo type of thing where you can respond to a prompt and then they tell you how strong your pronunciation is. So this is a great one for your students to use so that they can really practice their pronunciation and it can be graded for them and so that they can get that feedback right away. And then one other one is Flipgrid. Flipgrid is a great way that you can set up as a community. You can have them respond with videos to a specific topic. So that's an awesome way to do like an exit slip about what you're learning that day, post it in your little community group, and then have your students respond at home or something like that. So anything like that where you can have them talking and recording themselves so that it's taking the pressure off of what are my peers going to say about me, but it's giving them opportunities to speak about what they've been learning. There's so much that you can observe in a student by the way that respond to something. Daily have an opportunity to speak. I love using my monthly speaking and writing cords. We can put them in the show notes below, but this is such a great way where every day of the school year, you have a picture on the board. They come in and right away, they know exactly what to do. They can look at the question prompts. They can turn and talk to a friend. They can just think about it and then be able to share out with the class. There's so many different ways you could use one picture to encourage them to speak. This is a great way too, if you have a mixed group where maybe your newcomers are just observing the vocabulary, copying the vocabulary, and they're going to say one sentence. Maybe your intermediates are going to write about it all first and then respond in a complex sentence. So there's a lot of ways that you can scaffold and differentiate using one picture, 
But building that routine is so helpful for your students to know as soon as they come in, their brains are turned on and they are going to start speaking. That's going to help them get set up for the rest of the class. So let's run through before we head out today, the expectations for all different five of our WIDA levels are entering, emerging, developing, expanding, and bridging levels, what to look for at each level, and then how to provide support. So for our level ones are entering students, you're going to have students who are li- have little to no English when it comes to speaking. Um, they're going to begin to name concrete objects, you know, like pencil, book, those types of things that they're seeing over and over day to day. And hopefully within a couple months, they're going to start to repeat words and phrases. What you can do to provide support is to use pictures and to begin working on essential vocabulary, greetings, and basic grammar. Start giving them those phrases that they can begin to use right away to survive in the school. For our level two students, our emerging students, what to look for. They are able to communicate personal and survival needs. They're using functional vocabulary. They're able to understand words and phrases, um, but they still definitely require repetition, going slower, enunciating, using hand gestures when you're speaking to them. How to provide support. Like I said, use hand gestures. Um, you can highlight vocabulary, important vocabulary, and then have them, you know, repeat that vocabulary, have them use that in context, and then work on focusing on listening and speaking activities to build schema. So really with this level, you want to be focusing on giving opportunities to develop the listening and then providing an opportunity for the output of speaking. For our developing students, This is where they are going to begin to initiate conversations. They will ask and respond in conversation. They will speak predominantly in the present tense, which is totally normal. And they probably, you might still find them searching for some words um, that maybe they haven't used in a while that they don't know. They might still use some of their native language to fill in for those areas that they are unsure. So how to support those students at this level, you can use think pair share to promote conversation. I love think pair share. It's the easiest way to get your students talking quickly. And once you, you know, set this up, set up, what's the expectation, this can run very smoothly and seamlessly. For the developing level for um, speaking, you can also provide opportunities where they are listening to grade level text read aloud to them so that they can hear it read fluently and work on pronunciation and then respond with reading orally. For our level four, what this looks like, they are going to become more self-confident in social situations. So that to them is going to be, they're going to be pretty fluent in that area of socially speaking. They are going to use some complex sentences and they're going to understand classroom discussions with repetition, rephrasing, and clarification, giving them that opportunity to ask for rephrasing or ask to slow down, help really encourage that with your students so that they feel confident. And then for this one, how to provide support, doing different um, cooperative learning strategies is so helpful for our level four students where they're, you know, mixing and talking, where they're moving. And it's not a one student is talking and the rest are listening, but all the students at the same time are talking. 
and engaging. And this doesn't have to be chaotic. Doing things like numbered heads or one stray, those are all some amazing Kagan cooperative strategies that really will help your students apply what they're saying or what they're learning. And then for our level fives, our students who are in the bridging area, what to look for. These are students who are speaking nearly fluently. Sometimes it's really hard to pinpoint what areas they need for, you know, to really reach that level of fluency, but just providing them opportunities to go deeper in grade level passages and content that's going to help them. They will use a variety of sentence structures with maybe a few grammar mistakes here and there. And you're going to also see that they have a lot of vocabulary to use. For this level, how you can provide support, giving them opportunities to do oral reports or presentations, um, either individually or with a group. For these students, you might want to give them the opportunity to videotape themselves first if they don't feel ready to do it in front of the class, but really just gauging where they're at in their comfort level of speaking. And then also you want to provide them with opportunities to listen to themselves speak. That's a really powerful way for them to see and check in on their progress and to also identify where they might be making mistakes. Um, so have them record themselves and listen and, and grade or critique, give them a, a rubric and let them really observe where they're at when it comes to their speaking. So head over to our Instagram at equipping ELLs, message me with the word expectation, and we will get you all four domains and the different levels and what to expect at each domain. That is it for today with our speaking domain. I really hope that you were able to take a few things away of how you can really create an atmosphere where your students feel confident speaking inside your classroom. Remember that if you leave a review on Apple's podcast and we read your review here on the podcast, you will be the winner of a one month free subscription to the Equipping ALLs membership. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Bye for now. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done for you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.